podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Nestle Dormer. It's Lee here. I'm just doing a quick intro. I won't be joining you for the full episode today because our Rob is once again doing one of his interviews. He's talking to John Durden, who wrote the book Rover's Revolution about all that stuff that happened at Blackburn Rovers 25 years ago. So as part of the anniversary of that great win in 1995, we're going to publish this episode as the last episode of our current series, which is Series 3. Thanks for everybody who's joined in and stuck with us. I hope you enjoyed this one and we'll see you again soon. Take care. Bye. Well, yeah. Hi, John. Thanks for joining us. Um, Oh, thanks very much. Uh, My pleasure. No, do you want to start by telling us a bit about how the book came about and your kind of background with Blackburn? Well, yeah. Well, I'm from Blackburn. I was born there uh, quite a long time ago now, but um, grew up in the town as well before leaving leaving for university and and travelling around a bit. Um, the idea came, uh, the publishers, uh, the Burton Books, I, I, I know the, I've known the, the, the founder for quite a long time, and we mentioned um, the possibility of doing a Rollers book a few years ago. Uh, I think <clears throat> they released a book that did quite well um, called Touch and Distance about Newcastle's yes. Yes. almost win in 1996. And then, yeah. I mean, because that did quite well, I thought, well, why not write something about a team actually did win, and also um, with the 25th anniversary coming up as well, that's a good time to do it. And uh, yeah, and also you know, I think it's not quite history, but 25 years is a you know a significant uh, passage of time. You know, so there's now people of always fans who, of course, who can be in the 30s and don't really remember it. But um, so, but I mean, but most people are still alive. You still talk to a lot of the people who were there at the time and have remembered it quite well. But you know, time is passing at the same time. I thought it was interesting that you said that you've obviously travelled around the world, first to London now. You live in Asia, and kind of Blackburn winning the title kind of gave your past a context. You know, you didn't have to say, I'm from north of Manchester. You could actually say, I'm from Blackburn. Well, yes, exactly. And I've mentioned this before, yeah. I mean, one, one of the a few benefits, well, not many benefits of the role is winning the title was, you know, you don't... And also being in the Premier League after that for quite a while... You see, you don't have you don't have to tell taxi drivers around the world that you're from <laughs> you know near Manchester. You can say or Blackburn, and many of them, especially in will oh yeah, Blackburn Rovers and Alan Shearer and all the rest. Um, and occasionally you meet fans or people say, oh my dad's a fan, my dad's a Rovers fan, especially in places like Singapore and Malaysia and Southeast Asia. Um, there's still you know a, a small small bedrock of you know affection for the Rovers and people. It makes me think, you know, if, if the success had been sustained, who knows where we'd be now. But, um, of course, that wasn't to be. Mm. Do you think um, sometimes people kind of forget how quickly it all happened? Obviously, they won the league in 95, but it was only, what, night, that was only their third season in the Premier League. Um, and I sometimes yes. wonder if they get enough credit for that, particularly the fact that they actually challenged in their second season and might even have challenged in the first had Shearer not got injured. Well, yes, I mean... In the 80s, we were always the kind of team that spent the entire 80s in, in, in the, the old Division 2. And more more times, more often than not, we're challenging, challenging for a promotion, but always seemed to fall away in, in, at the end. In 1981, under Howard Kendall, they missed out on goal difference to Swansea in the final day. Um, and there's similar stories throughout the decade. We not, not every season, there were some bad seasons as well. And we had three, I think, three playoff losses in the... You know, when the players came in, um, one was you know really heartbreaking. You know, lost to Crystal Palace um, in '89. In those days, it was 
the final was two-legged and we won the first leg at home 3-1. Miss a penalty, you know, the lost 3-0 at Selhurst Park, um, which is a dreadful, dreadful time for any Rovers fan. I think, you know, the strains of the Palace song, glad all over, so <laughs> send a shiver of horror down many a spine in, in Blackburn. But, um, Actually, and that was a terrible day because you know, though the as time passed, uh, as the, the final whistle got closer at Crystal Palace, you not know, all the fans were on the side, climbed over the the, the fences, whatever, and all sat stood by the touchline, um, which made it a really difficult place for the Rovers to play. And I, that's people say that's one reason why the finals became a one-legged thing and went to Wembley because it just got all too much. The emotion was all too much to have it at home and away. But yes, yeah, so when when. When you know, even like 1990, 1991, there was you know, 91 was the first kind of there were little bits of um, rumblings that something might be happening behind the scenes. But you know, at the start of the 91, 92 season, the season before the Premier League started, we had a bit of money, you know, but people didn't really know. I think even Rovers fans didn't really know Jack Walker would come on board. We bought Bobby Mims for a quarter of a million pounds, which was a huge deal for us then. Um, a couple of Coventry City kind of, you know, rejects, but, you know, helped us stay up the season before. But I think, we, yeah, I mean, at, at that time, you know, the start of the 91-92 season was just another, you know, just the usual second division team that had a bit of money, but nobody really knew what was coming next. Was the um, the kind of moment that people started to take seriously when Kelly Dalglish became manager? I think definitely, yes. Yeah. So, such I mean, a huge thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I think people now don't really remember... Of course, but naturally, that what what a big figure he was, just yeah. um, um, as a player and, of course, as a manager. I mean, I think for me, I think I'm sure it might be different if you if you were challenging Liverpool for titles in the eighties or things. But Liverpool seemed very remote team from Blackburn point of view. I think just this machine, this relentless machine, and who always won. Um, and that at least was just an um, yeah, it's just huge, almost you know, kind of unhuman-like figure because he was just an amazing player and then became a, a manager and then he kept on winning and winning more. Um, and he was just massive. And yeah, even, yeah, of course, I think people of a certain age like my age will remember where they were when he was out. It was massive news, huge news. And I remember when I got started to tell my brother was in the shower or to kind of like <laughs> time from Liverpool and no one could believe it. But yeah, so the thought of that point in February 91 that, you know, eight months later he'd be managing Blackburn Rovers was just... Um, it just it was totally possible. Um, but yeah, I think when we had, we had a manager called Don McKay and Scott had done quite good things with us, but he had been given some money by Jack Walker. But the problem was that he just wasn't able to get in place, you know, he, because he didn't have the stature and the name. And I think, as often happens in football, when there's some money in the club, you know, like Jack Walker was ready to get a big name manager. Um, unfortunately for for the Rovers, and unfortunately for Don McKay, so you know, and when he was starting to come in, you know, that, that lease was available. Um, other managers were mentioned at the time, like uh, were probably sounding quite exciting. Look, I mean, twenty-five years ago to Blackburn fans, but like Steve Coppel, Neil Warnock, and others. But I think that was kind of what people expected. But to get that lease was, you know, I mean, it was just massive. I remember the weekend it happened because I think it's the international break, and so there's no first division games that weekend. So that lease came to. The Rovers game at Holmes Plymouth, and the, the whole you know, country's media was there, and it's just a mind-blowing thing. It really was. Funnily enough, you almost um, beat Dalglish's Liverpool, didn't you? Was that the game when Jimmy Hill blamed a ball girl or a ball yeah. boy? <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> overzealous. Um, 
Yeah, Julian Maynard, I think the name was. Yeah, she, <laughs> that was, you can actually watch, it's amazing, the Cups had, yes, January, it was January that year, 1991, um, we were fighting relegation, but I think on YouTube you can watch kind of second half on that. Irish TV, it's a fantastic cup tie. Mm. I think uh, Ken Moran, I think, I think Moran got sent off for the Rovers and Ben Hussein got sent off for United and Simon Garner scored early in the second half and we're hanging on, hanging on. And yeah, the last game, Mark Atkins on goal that came from throwing that Jimmy Hill blamed on <laughs> the ball girl throwing the ball too quickly back to Liverpool. Mm. Of course, lost the second leg. Yeah, and then, and then I think the next round, I think Liverpool played Everton and um, you know, the rest, you know, causing that we contributing to Dabrisi's decision to resign, and then eight months later, he was at Eagle again. Very mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I think um, Eagle Park in those days was, you know, a bit ramshackle, of course, and, and there's a story that, you know, David Pleat was inspired at top, from the top in 1987 when he returned, I think, because maybe Leicester manager, perhaps, mm. um, realised he was no longer in the big time when he rolled up at Eagle Park and saw the old ground. <laughs> Who was the first really big signing on the pitch? Um, well, in terms of name, I mean, we had David Speedy came in, in the first summer, even under Don Mackay. And, um, of course, he'd been at Liverpool, and he was the one player in the first, the first few games of the season. We didn't play very well, mm. which you know led to Mackay's uh, dismissal. But after that, I think Mackay tried to sign Mike Newell from uh, Everton. Mm. For about um, a close to a million, Newell had said no. Um, but then when Dad Leach came, and then Dad Leach went back to the same player, and Newell said okay. Of course, because of Dad Leach, and that was a recurring theme throughout. You know, the those you know all the people I use basically saying what's Dad Leach. Um, I think when Newell came, that was a million pounds. Like because he he was you know a proper first division player. Um, and that really was a sign of this. This is a club that you know is dead set, you know, on promotion, and maybe not just promotion, but you know, something, something more than that. Because growing up, the Robbers fan, and talking, we went down from the top division '66, um, and that was it. You know, I think just having thought of one season back in the in, in the top division would have been would have been enough. I think uh, just to go to the famous old stadiums and see the you know play against the United and Arsenal, Liverpool, all this kind of thing would have been. Enough, but you know, I think at that time when the money was being spent, it wasn't just being spent on getting promotion, which won't, which yeah, that was no longer the end. It was there's something obviously something more um, after that because we Walk had the money and the ambition and the you know the energy to make it happen. Was there, was there a moment as a fan when you realised the scale of what what they might achieve, or did it just kind of almost creep up on you to the point where you got to Anfield and suddenly you won the league? Yeah, I mean, I think. It's, it was weird because um, just the first season of uh, the, the first season of the Premier League, we, we started really well, and Alan Shearer. I think having signing Alan Shearer was an amazing thing. Not just not really because of the player he was, because I think at the time we didn't know that much about no, him. He didn't really. score that many goals, did he, for Southampton? Right, and but then he exploded. Obviously, yeah, and, and before. The Premier League came in Sky. If you play for Southampton, yeah. I think Match of Day came back on BBC One when the Premier League started. So we, yes. they weren't on, it wasn't on TV much. And I remember him, first time I, I definitely remember seeing him play was 
I'm watching a midweek sports night when Southampton played United in the FA Cup game, I think, and there's a penalty shootout, I think, scored in that. Um, so it wasn't easy to watch somebody on TV who wasn't playing for Liverpool or originally United or whatever. You, know, you didn't see that much of him. And I think at the time when we signed him, Robbie's fans, because Southampton insisted on having David Speedy as a part, you know, as part of the deal, and there were quite a lot of fans upset about that. Because Speedy had been fantastic in that, in that one season, in the season. As a real cook, he was also a fantastic player. Um, and even then, there some parts of the media who were, think, who were saying he paid £3.3 million for a striker who doesn't score that many goals. Mm. Um, I think people didn't have any idea how good he was uh, until he actually came. But I think when we started to see him in just the first season, not as I said, he wanted just to play Arsenal or, or to play United but to actually start beating these teams was um, was an incredible feeling and yeah it, just, it came so fast and he didn't really have much time to get used to it because the season after we, we, we were almost challenging for the title for the first time and then you're an established part of the top division and suddenly you're not a big team in traditional sense but you know, very, you know you've been talked about all the time and um, a lot of interest in what Rob's are doing and yeah, we had a good solid side. But yeah, she was, I mean, the, the, the catalyst in the Premier because he was just a fantastic oh, player. Just awesome. Better than we imagined. We just didn't have any idea how good he was. Mm. He was just uh, sensational. Especially yeah. the first, I mean, you mentioned perhaps in the first three or four months of the first season he came, um, he scored I mean, a silly amount of goals before Christmas. And yes. he was just brilliant. And he was quite fast. He was everywhere. And he was on the wings and just closing people down. And just... Um, we think people were just taken aback by how how good he was, but he did his crucial ligament on Boxing Day, and um, when we needed to talk. And who knows? I mean, I, I don't think we'd have won the title. We ended up finishing fourth. I think we probably could have finished second if he'd been fit for the, for the second half of the season because he was just that good that season. He was just immense. And the, the second season up, ninety three, ninety four, you ended up challenging United quite strongly, but it looked like they got off to quite a slow start, and ultimately that cost them. Is there any reason for that? Well, perhaps, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think when we did, we, we, she didn't, he was, he was injured from Christmas. And mm-hmm. um, even though he was back to fitness pretty much by the time the season started, he didn't start the first seven or eight games. It mm-hmm. was kind of a sub. We were throwing points away, really. Um, I'm not sure why. I think it's just it's one of those things that happened. You know, we, remember, we, we won the first game away at Chelsea and played Norwich at home, expecting to win. And we lost 3 2 to what was a good Norwich team. And Chris Sutton scored twice. Um, but it took about maybe October till we got into our stride, and I think from that October till maybe March was up for those four or five months. We always been really unstoppable, and she was just again when she came back in the team, he wasn't quite as you know as fast, he wasn't quite as uh, covering the same ground as before. But he was scoring um, almost every week, and. Uh, well, there's stories of people who Robbie's fans putting you know ten pounds and him to come to score first every week and it's <laughs> gone down to two to one. Oh really? But people are still doing it because he was just almost always the first goal scorer. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think we talked to a couple of Robbie's players from the time and they said, you know, that's those four or five months when you know I think at one point we twenty three points behind United. I think with three games in hand. Mm. And then going up to Easter when he actually caught United was um that was a sensational run of form. I think in the end, perhaps, you know, there were lots of injuries and just the very fact of catch United. I mean United were a really good team that season, I think much better than the way the season after. Mm. Um just the just the actual fact of catch United was 
had just tied the team out and there wasn't quite enough to, to go again. But yeah, I mean, that, that second season for, you know, half of the run was just looked really, really good. And did they sign Tim Flowers during that season? Yes, yes. And also, I think perhaps even more important, which I should have mentioned, was uh, David Backers. We, I think, again, similar to Shearer, but not quite a massive, when Batty came, I remember that signing as well. I was at university and heard it on the radio. You know, that was different in those days. And mm. listened to radio, I think Radio 1, Radio 5, yeah. whatever it was. And the news was all oh, the same with David Batty. And I thought, okay. Um, because Batty had a reputation of being, certainly, I mean, from my memory, much more than a Tigerish midfielder. Um, and I remember fans of him down the country would see things like, well, David Batty can play for England, so can I. Mm. But he was just great when he, that season he came. It's about October time in the second season. And it's amazing, again, what a good player he was, especially his use of the ball, his intelligence, his passing was just excellent. And, um, yeah, he, he actually that second season, even though how fantastic Shiru was, scoring 30 goals despite not, not starting the first any eight games. But he was uh, the Rovers Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Um And, yeah, it's just with people coming And he just gave us more, much more possession and more... Um, a bit something different. We couldn't believe, again, we couldn't believe what a good player he was. Uh, he certainly missed the season after. It might have been a bit of an awkward customer, but yeah, he was a you know a, a you know, real step up in, in quality. And Flowers, yeah, Flowers came in a similar time. Um, in about October, November, I remember being the first game he played at QPR. And you know, Bobby Mims had done really well with us. I think he came in. You know, without a fantastic reputation, after what happened, Tottenham we made quite a few high-profile mistakes playing for Spurs. Um, but I think in the first season we we were in the Premier League, he had he had almost a record number of clean sheets, about nineteen, maybe nineteen clean sheets. But Flowers was that bit better, really. I mean, it was you know the whole, um, and that's why he cost at the time a, a world record fee for a goalkeeper. Mm. But yeah, I think those players, and then with Shearer and the Batty and Flowers, we have a very solid spine. Um, of course, the two wingers Ripley and Wilcox, you know, they all started to click. And Sherwood, and Sherwood who when we first signed him in our promotion season, looked completely hopeless but <laughs> in, in the second division. But as soon as he got promoted, you know, after coming around, played less. And David gave him a transition band and became, you know, a very, very good midfield player. When did Colin Hendry sign? From afar, it feels like he's the kind of underappreciated hero of that team. I think Rollers fans always love Colin Hendry. Um, he, but yeah, I think um, he he came the first spell in '87 as a mm. striker from Dundee United for about twenty to twenty-five grand, mm. and then he got he got put by centre half by Don McKay, and then he went to he signed for Man City for about three quarter million pounds on those days, and all that was kind of money. That's huge money for the Rovers, and again he did pretty well for City, I think, and I think the fans quite liked him. Um, but again, when Don McKay got some money from Jack Walker, he tried to get by Colin Hendry, but Hendry didn't want to come back. Then when Doug Leach came, of course, and things were different. But yeah, Hendry was, you know, the mainstay of the defence for, you know, you know, those three and a half years and the title and then also beyond. And I think the fans loved him. I mean, I think the, the, the blonde hair helped and he certainly got stuck in. Excuse me. <coughs> and, you know, he, he also scored a few goals and... and Perhaps I'm not sure we'll talk about it, but he's also his his clearance from in against Everton you know, not long before he won the title when mm. he 
the most crowded of six-yard boxes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. The ball was about six meters, uh, six inches off the ground. He was diving head to clear. It was a, <laughs> you know, perhaps the most beautiful moment of the season, really. Mm. Um, and then, obviously, they finished second to Man United in 93-94. Um, and the big signing that summer was Chris Sutton. Did they buy anyone else? Did they buy Robbie Slater then? Robbie Slater, yes. Yeah, and that was it. I mean... In the season, in the summer before, I hadn't bought anybody. I mean, in the first season, uh, we finished fourth, but in the close season, there weren't any big signings. But then Batty and Flowers came quite early in the following season. Um, and then, yeah, Sutton was a um, the big £5 million man. Interesting looking back at that, you know, the, the whole thing about Sutton was it doesn't seem to happen anymore, but he had this young, kind of young hope of English football. Mm. And he had like half of you know, the Premier League chasing him yes, in right. the teams. Um, yeah, United, Liverpool, Everton, like Sheffield Wednesday, Arsenal, I think we're, we're quite you know, down to the end. Um, you don't really get this transfer chase now. And, mm. uh, Newcastle, uh, Norwich had set a deadline and a minimum bid, inviting kind of clubs that, you know, puts up or shuts up. And we always were one of those who um, who did so. And um, again, I think they were down up. How, how how good he was, and certainly he won Shearer's class, but he, he made a contribution that scored 16 goals, I think, in the league. But there were also always rumours that Shearer didn't really like playing alongside him too much, much preferred to play alongside Mike Newell, mm. who was, was also his best friend at the moment. Yeah, it's an interesting call to upgrade, because, uh, I mean, Sutton was a terrific player, but Newell was a high-class player as well, wasn't he? So you kind of look at that squad and think maybe there were other areas that might be more obvious to upgrade, but actually it worked out really well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it also went on after uh, we had three or four years after that. I mean, he was the joint top scorer, I think, was it? Um, 90, yes. 99, the year before he went to Chelsea. Season. Oh, yeah, yeah, 99. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was a good player. Um, it didn't quite work out for him, but yeah. no, I think he perhaps just suffered a little bit by you know being the shadow of Shearer. Um, I think you know, the, the two... I think didn't really get on. So if you read Sutton's biography, then you know obviously he talks a bit about how he feels he didn't get quite the respect and warmth from Shu that he he, he wanted. Um, but I think she was so single-minded in search of goals; it was just a machine. Mm. And Sutton's got some really important goals, as you say. The three-two win over Liverpool in October was that the first really big victory of that season? Um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think so. I think um, we started the season. Uh, you know, it's one of, one of um, four or five teams doing all right. Newcastle, I think, had the best start. Yes. I mean, when, when I wrote the book, um, we started to look, they looked back at newspapers reports from the summer, and many people say Arsenal was the Arsenal's year of the night. We're always, always going to be very about, but Leeds, I mean, that summer in 94, summer in 94 after the World Cup, I mean, there's some serious money being spent that summer by all kinds of. Yeah, you know, even, even Spurs, of course. Spurs, yes, and you Klinsman know, or doing checks. I think um, Everton assigned who just survived the, the final day of the season before had some injection of cash and I spent uh, like five million pounds, is it, on Vinny Samways? Or well, I'm, I'm a catchy as well. Yeah. And like, Villa was spent quite big, and um, Leeds has spent a lot on Cold Palmer, four million, I think. Um, so it really was kind of you know a competitive season, and also night four night five was the last season of forty two teams as well. So mm. uh, sorry, forty two games, yes. I should say, which uh, made it um, even more interesting. And four teams going down at the same mm. time, you know, which 
which uh, added uh, extra, I mean, made, made it a bit more stressful towards the end but for Robertson <laughs> because we had many more, to, uh, bigger relegation fight and uh, that almost cost us in, in the final stages. But yeah, I mean, the, the Liverpool game at home I remember very well because um, it's, you know, for, from an Ewood Park point of view, you know, it's like full house, like 31,000, the stadium hadn't long been fully open. Um, you know, it was a good game. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, I think we were uh, losing 2 1. John Barnes scored a fantastic overhead kick, and then you know, two goals, and then the third goal from Chris Sutton. Um, you know, it's just, I think after that game, people started thinking, I think after the second season, we were pushing that quite, quite well, almost until the end. Um, there was a feeling that, you know, at least we'll challenge for the title. Um, I'm not sure people thought we'd definitely win, but we should be there very balanced. But I think after beating Liverpool 3-2, you know, we kind of um, a very powerful performance and, you know, from Rose's point of view, exciting performance, then definitely we used to think, well, there's no reason why we can't go on and, um, you know, and stay there and need the top, especially as, you know, our European commitments didn't last very long yeah. anyway. So... This is a blessing in disguise. Yeah, did that did that help that whole Trelleborgs game? Not just in terms yeah, of fixtures, but also I wonder if it made people kind of help Blackburn go under the radar. People thought, oh well, if they're losing to Trelleborg, you know, because it feels like Newcastle and Spurs in particular, and Liverpool to a lesser extent, were more kind of fashionable sides. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think we talk about the, the kind of the, the two Trelleborg games were both on BBC One live mm. TV, which was. One of the few times we were always around in those days, and, and it felt kind of big deals. And the ball performances were, were, were terrible, and the football was awful. And performances, you know, it's dreadful. And I'm told both of them on live TV. I think in those days, people forget. I mean, Sky had been around for two years, but not that many people had Sky really. Mm. Um, if you wanted to watch. You know, football games, and there'd be one game on Sunday afternoon, and that'd be like four o'clock. And the post would be sure that in those days as well, at that time, you'd have to go around to a friend's house you wanted to watch. So I think perhaps for many people, the experience watching Rovers live would have been the world of Teleboys game because, you know, BBC One people, that would be the main, the main medium to watch you know, uh, live games because, you know, Sky games were still, having Sky was still not that big a thing at the time. So I think that certainly coloured the perception of what, what some people had of the Rovers because it was you know, the two times they had the two chances they had to watch Rovers play for ninety minutes, and Rovers were pretty dreadful. Mm. Um, yes, but I think in the end, it, I remember being quite upset about you know we lost I think in the second leg and we got six minutes left and we played against ten men and we were winning two one, they were letting a stupid goal and that's it. And it was quite embarrassing but humiliating. As you say, I think in the long run. Definitely hurt. And in the league, it felt like once Newcastle kind of blew up after their fast start, it felt like you were always in control of the title race. I know United were close by, but they had a lot of distractions with obviously Europe and Eric Cantona being banned. And you lost, I think, four of the first 39 games, which is a fantastic record. But two of those were against United. Do you want to talk about the game at Ewood Park in particular, which was a bit, a wee bit controversial? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that, that was a bit... We, at the time, we were starting to get into a gear, I think, because um, we had a, the, a run of four games after, not long after Trelly Boy, we, we won this Liverpool game, mm. and um, we had I think, Liverpool, I think, <coughs> excuse me, it might be Newcastle first, which we drew 1 1, uh, letting a late equalise, um, a bit lucky. And Liverpool, they were played United, 
and they played Forest away, so when Forest were things were third at the time. Um, so the, the the United game, um, yeah, we've got we're starting to get into the groove. I think and so um, we played really well. And it's a kind of it's a wet and windy Sunday afternoon. It was dark and really murky, and all the kind of the the, the footballs of the Pennines and the Moors mm. in the background. And Paul Warhurst scored a beautiful chip over Schmeichel. And um, and second, as, as half time approached, you kind of well, of course, I mean, United wouldn't be as bad in the second half, and it's always going to be twists and turns. But it felt you know, as comfortable as you can do against United. Um, but yeah, in the final months of the first half. Bird sort of brings down at least yards, and it wasn't even a penalty, I think. But no, also, he, he also got sent off for it, too. Yeah, and that, and that was sent off as a game changer, of course. And um, even though we, we took the lead in, in the second half of the entry, then we might have get kind of perfect example of how to play things again, and then we 4 2, which I think, um, even though pushing there, they can say it, but even if the penalty had been given and been 1 1, I think we seem quite confident of winning the game. With the ten men, could change everything. And even you know, looking back, um, going back on newspapers and things, uh, the, the the referee at the time, Gerald Ashley. I mean, people were really angry. I mean, he was the day after Gerald Ashby said, oh, "Yeah, I made a mistake," and I thought I made the right decision. But obviously, it wasn't, which is quite unusual I mean, to see referee do that. And even Ferguson said, um, "No, I didn't, I didn't touch the play, but." That's the way it goes, and um, and that was uh, yeah a bit of a setback. But I think it kind of spurred the team on to go on a really good run and win lots and lots of games. And after we went top, MMB on November twentieth, uh, we beat QPR four 0 She was scored a fantastic hat trick, and from that moment, as you mentioned, we were top until the end of the season. Um, apart from once or twice, I mean, later on when United played the day before we did, but we were always top. So. Um, and, and, and for a long time, they in complete, well, in control, so it looked like, but in the end, it didn't turn out that way. Do you think they get enough, because of the way the season ended, they sort of stumbled over the line, do you think people forget how relentless they were for, kind of, I don't know, Yeah, I'm sure, that's, just, that's the way it is, yeah. I mean, it's been an opposite so situation. Though. Yeah, I mean, those kind of the first two thirds of the season, we were kind of relentless and just, you know, beating teams, especially on three or four nil, um, get, of course, getting good results away, and, and I think then that time, everywhere you went, probably can win. Anywhere you went, you probably can win. Uh, the goals coming from Koshi was just fantastic, of course, as he always was. But certain was scoring until you know, catch up a little bit in the, in the, the final third of the season. You know, like Mark Atkins came in, I mean, Dave Batter was out almost full season. Atkins came into midfield and scored six goals from the field. Um, yeah, and I think the, certainly the, the, the last, what, seven or eight games when it was a serious wobble. That's always going to stick in the memory. And in some ways, the thing about what happened was, it's like um, if you get promoted through the playoffs, <clears throat> it's a very, very stress- it can be a very stressful experience. Mm. If you're successful, it's a great way to win. <laughs> yeah. But um, of course, first and second, and then getting promoted by the end of March is um, is probably a more, it's much more comfortable and impressive way to do it. But you. you you do miss a bit of the drama, perhaps, and and in some ways, you know, winning the title and the kind of the title going down to the final seconds of you know, the final day, I think does detract a little bit. I think it does kind of colour people's memories a little bit. Um, it didn't make it more exciting. Hmm. Looking back, 
Yeah. So between the two games against Man United, I think won eleven and drew one. Then lost one nil at Old Trafford. It was a late error at Cantona right. a few days before his kung fu kick. But there was another uh, controversial moment at the end, wasn't there? Yeah, well, I think that game was a bit big for me because we always didn't play very well. I think mean, the game, I think, was October when we lost 4 2 at home. You know, they were um, well on top on, the, on, on that game and playing well, looking like a much better team. I think perhaps, you know, United maybe didn't quite realise at the time because maybe gave United a bit too much respect, but they've been a great team. They won you know, the double you know, the season before um, and played some great football. I think the 94 95 version wasn't quite as. Um, strong as that and says maybe some issues in the team and but yes um so we thought i think certainly that after the home game we can get a better of this united team but playing away at old trafford i think Robert didn't play well um would have been very happy with a point and i guess i can't got a great header in about 10 minutes left and then we equalized and uh, tim sherwood headed the ball home in the last final seconds and uh he was did laugh for a very in a very, very soft fashion, I think, for the Shearer file on Keane, that it's, it's very difficult to um, to see anything wrong with it, really. And as all Robbie's fans, and, and at the time, Bobby's players said, you know, even though United placed an appeal for the, the, anything wrong with the goal. But, um, yeah, but the goal was just loud. And instead of being 1-1, um, it was 1-0. I think at that time, there were some doubts, and, you know, Robbie's fans said, Right, so I remember thinking, thinking well, this, this may not happen because it's, it's just not happening. You know, we've played these games against United and you know, we should have had four points. Um, a bit more than we have. Um, United should, should have five points less than they have. Um, but as, as it stands, you know, we're about almost a level pegging. I think at the time there were some doubts crept in. But after that, after we, we, we lost one night like Old Trafford again, Three four days later, Cantona got sent off and all the rest of it. But Rose had another pretty good run, even though it wasn't quite as, uh, as impressive as the one prior in the season, but still bounced back pretty well. Uh, but had you know those two games gone differently, then Rose would by early April. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Instead, it kind of became really tight. Didn't it? I was just looking at the fixtures, and even in February and March, even though they kept winning, it looks like things are getting a bit tighter. You know, lots of hanging on to one goal leads. Is that fair? Yeah, I think so. I think like I Evan, remember, like um, you said, Evan's a great example. Yes, yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, I mean, I, I wasn't at the game. I remember listening to it on the radio. It was an awful kind of game to listen on the radio. Really, <laughs> um, we've been struggling a bit, as you mentioned. To you know, people them at home two one, fails beat Norwich at home, and the pitch, Eagle pitch, was terrible. Um, going to Everton was a really tough game. I think oh, it's going to be really difficult. I think it's for Easter. And we, we, we scored two in the first five minutes. And then mm. after that, it was more traffic. Um, and they, they pulled a goal back before half-time. And the second half was just nasty, just from Robert's point of view, just all hands to the pump defending. You know, Shearer booting the ball, you know, up into the stands with that five minutes left, just clearing it. And we got booed off the pitch, and, you know, rightly so, I think. But it was really kind of fighting, battling performance at show, if you can hang on for those three points, maybe you can go all the way. But I think the, the media reports and the Christmas fans were pretty scared about the kind of football being played at that point of the season. Did you care about the style of play by that point? Well, not really. Should anyone? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to be um, objective about it. Because 
you played with Rosebourne and Christmas Life and Division 2. He had some good players, whatever, but some of the, you know, in the Premier League or the Premiership, everyone said then, and he beat in teams. And I think our, our style was fairly predictable. You know, we had two good wingers and you got the ball quite quickly and you used them and get balls into the box as fast as possible because you've got the best right in the country. Um, but as a Rose fan, it was fantastic because you were scoring goals against these famous old teams. Mm. Um, so it's a little bit hard to step back from it and say, even like the Emerson game, the Emerson win, was was an ugly victory, but in many ways it was a, a beautiful battling performance. Like, if you completely understand why Emerson fans were obeying you know, for blue at the end of it. Um, but no, I, it, didn't, it certainly didn't bother me. I, think, I, I do remember, it must have been a thing though, because... I do remember the occasional conversation in the post before games, after games, saying, or people were saying things like, oh, if we win the title this season, the next season, you know, the, the shackles will be released and you'll see some fantastic football. But I, I think we're a bit more functional than you know, United, perhaps, or Newcastle. But I think the football was most of the time quite attacking and quite quick. And you had, you know, two, if you're, if you're a fan of wingers, then surely you didn't try watching Black and Lobby's play. Mm. Was there was there an unfair snobbery? Do you think in the media? Yeah, I think I think there was. Um, I think there was. I think the media quite liked Robbie's up to a point, as it's, it's a good story and mm. it's an exciting story, um, but maybe not to do too well. And again, looking back, and wrote the book. Looking back on media reports, quite positive in the first couple of seasons back, um, but it does change a little bit. Uh, it's hard to say because I think. Um, the the, the the idea that we didn't play great football certainly seemed to take hold <clears throat> and um, we were not one of the you know the established bigger clubs but I think if we'd have you know continued to have success that kind of thing would have faded but just have become known as one season one this the end. Um as you mentioned before we did really well in the first three seasons, four second and first, but it kinda of gets forgotten because of what happened after that. But you know that's the way it goes in football and, and in life really. It's worth pointing out that season, Blackburn were the leading scorers, United had the best defence. So it's interesting. I mean, I know Blackburn's style was direct. It's an interesting one, though, because I would say that season was the height of everyone hating United as well. So you kind of wonder what people wanted. They, they didn't want United well, to win the league. Probably, true, want, yeah. probably wanted Blackburn to win the league, but but not by hanging on. I don't know. It's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a good point. I mean, I think, oh, that, I think definitely, I think from neutral's point of view, I think most neutrals wanted Rose to win. Even though I think there wasn't any great love for the Rovers. Mm. Um, you know, just, you know, by spending the money, they're not going to be a huge team. But I think most people didn't want United to win a third title in a row. Um, especially, you know, that season with Cantona and all the rest of it and the mm. issues um, didn't help. But yeah, we always were the most popular champions, but United would have been more unpopular this <laughs> season, of course, apart from all United fans. Do you think, talking about kind of prejudice and stuff, do you think the amount Blackburn spent is overplayed compared to other teams at the time? Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, if you look at Alan Shearer, I mean, he was signed for, I think, 3.3 million. Mm. But a year before, Liverpool had paid 2.9 for Dean Saunders. We showed you, we probably spent. <clears throat> Of course, it's been a lot of money. Quite, I think the short space of time didn't help. Um, but there's no other way to do it. I think in, to go well, it's very very difficult to go from that these came in the middle of the division two, and then to he almost built two teams in 
in the first and a team to get up and then at the same time building a team to compete in the Premier League. But I, I we've talked to people about it in the past, but I think did always to kind of distort the market. But I think in some ways it did because they had to go kind of fairly small <clears throat> um, town from East Lancashire trying to you know compete with United and Liverpool and the rest of it. You've got to, you've got to spend more more than they do because otherwise the players don't come. Mm. Um, it reminds me a little bit of well, you know, in Asia and the the big spending of China in recent years. You know, mm. Of course, Chinese teams will will pay will have to pay more wages than. Um, you know, uh, the big Western European clubs because if they don't, then the players don't want to go. Um, I saw the, the, the big, big players. I mean, I think Rovers, I think if Rovers had um, hung around the top a little bit longer, it might have changed, but there's no doubt that in a short space of time, <clears throat> the money, there was a lot of money spent. But then look at it. It wasn't as, it probably wasn't as much as people think. Um, you know, in, you can look at the, the, the team that won the title. I mean, it was sheer assistant with big um, with British transfer records. Flowers, of course, was in the record time. Um, but apart from that, you know, the, the defence, uh, you know, Lissol cost about 400,000 from Chelsea. Hendricks, like three quarters of a million. Henningberg was there, like 400,000. Um, Wilcox was a free, well, was a uh, Atkins was like 40,000 from Scunthorpe. Um, we have to cost about a million. So, apart from three or four players, I mean, the team was wasn't that expensive. And then, when you think about, you know, United, think what seven million pounds, and, and they call a hover through the season. Yes. Um, and the and the summer after we won, you know, Liverpool spent eight million on, on Sam Collymore. Uh, so compared to the the, the, the big boys, so called big boys, I think spend a lot of money in a short period of, period of time. But when you look back on it, it doesn't seem that much. And then also look at what those players would, what a lot of those players were sold for in the, the seasons to come. Mm. You can see for many of them, you know, you got three or four, five times more than, than we paid for. Yeah, I wonder if it's because the, the money was associated with an individual rather than the club. Because as you say, a lot of other clubs, not just the established big clubs, spent a huge amount of money around that time. Newcastle in particular spent a hell of a lot in 94 and 95. But I guess that wasn't associated with a general right. figure. Maybe yeah. maybe that's why people, maybe it kind of, Perhaps. people felt yeah. like they were spending more than they did. Anyway, so going into Man City at home, I think it was Easter Monday. I think you're five games to go, five points clear with a game in hand, and then things get very nervous. What happened? Well, I think I think that was a game. Um, people just thought United drawn. They drawn that afternoon, afternoon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, against Chelsea. Yeah, at home, I think so. And if people felt this was the evening game, um, so. Of course, Easter Monday, people been out drinking all day. I think people felt the fans in talked to some of the players that say when they arrived at the, at the Ewood Park, and you could feel kind of a celebratory atmosphere. You know, perhaps that that was the time when people thought, "Well, we'll win this game." In you know, what eight point clear for for left, whatever it is, and, and the title's pretty much in the bag. Um, and when, when she was took the little, she was the first goal and a fantastic goal. With them. Tony Cotton, uh, you know, bad, bad uh, goal kick out and first time shot from Shearer. And then we lost 3 2. And um, again, you can watch a lot of it and you can watch highlights now on YouTube. And City played really well and just deserved to win. And um, yeah, and even though I think they were fighting against relegation, and that was a bit of a wake up call. I mean, from that point, 
think the nerves really started to say nothing before then and kind of a month before then when he started getting kind of towards the final strength we were doing all right getting good results and had that cushion but i think that was a game where we were playing at home against team in the bottom if we got a win didn't win didn't play well um and then all of a sudden it's not quite as comfortable hmm. so they they went on to lose three of the last five games how much was nerves right. how much was tiredness well i think it's i mean from the outside, I don't know. I mean, I've, I interviewed players like um, Mark Atkins. Mark Atkins had come up from, he signed for Robbers when Robbers are just, you know, a, a, a team who perhaps can play playoffs in the second division. He comes come thought, and he really, you know, and this kind of interesting character in that, you know, he come, come from Division 4 to Division 2, so it's quite a big step up. And then when Doug Leach comes in, he hangs around and he's not only still around when he gets to Premier League. No, he's still he's still hanging around when this is a team trying to challenge for the title with Batty out injured pretty much all season. Um Atkins played I think the first thirty eight games, thirty seven games, and did a really good job. Uh, but I asked him, I said, Well, you, know, you fought against relegation from the fourth division and you know, you've done what the cliche is that, you know, fighting for the title might be stressful, but <clears throat> it's a lot, you know, but you're a player who's experienced and all the other side of football and all the world down in the basement and he said no he said that the the title running was just so stressful that he just couldn't escape from it he lost about you know, 10 pounds in, the, really? in, in that kind of month and even though he'd experienced kind of uh, almost had no money as a player um you know as in scunthorpe and really struggling they said that the, the, the pressure on, on the final week was just immense and he couldn't get away from it and being in quite a smallish town in blackburn i mean I do remember it. I mean, everyone I'm talking about it, just everybody, people who were in the interesting football, any shop you went to, anybody you talked to, the, the, the whole conversation was about the Rovers. And, and I think we, had, we didn't have any players, I don't think, who'd won a title before. Um, of course, Dadley's had, but I, th- I don't know. It's just, was it nerves? I mean, everyone was, it was. I mean, just, yeah, I think it must have been difficult for the players who just because you couldn't escape it. And, it was, I think being so far ahead at one time, it was also uh, maybe perhaps a fear of if like, you don't do it, it's going to be so humiliating. I just know the level of let's forget, forget what happened. Does that make we it worse? Do it, but... Yeah, I think I, so. Yeah, I, uh, I thought this about the England Cricket World Cup last year when it looked like right. the group stage. The fact that had they done that, having been favourites, it would be so much more humiliating than had they just kind of you know, not been in the position to be favourites in the first place. Well, exactly. I mean, and also, I mean, some people talk about that. You have these occasional conversations about what would have happened if we hadn't have won the title that season. Because I've heard people say that, oh, Jack Walker's plan was to win it in the fourth season, so he won it a year early. Mm. So the idea would be maybe if he it, if it did lose it that season, then there'd be more money spent on, on, in the summer. And in, in the long run, it would have been better for the club. Um but I'm not sure that's the case. I think it would have been devastating not to even have to be so far ahead. And that least would have gone anywhere, I think. Um, yeah, but I think certainly things now on, on was was starting to get, you know, perhaps overpowering and just, um, yeah, and the games we had left, you know, <clears throat> I remember we played Crystal Palace at home. Mm. And it was, I think, a Thursday night for this uh, game. And Kevin Gallagher came back from a broken leg, his first game back from a broken leg, came and he scored, and he got, got his leg broken again. 
had so much nervousness about the stadium. We were hanging on against not a great Palace team to win 2-1. Um, yeah, and even then, there's still only three games left after that, I think. Mm. But there was a real fear that this is not going to happen. So they, they lost 2-0 at West Ham, which I think closed the gap to two points. And then you had the famous Monday night game at home to Newcastle. What are your memories of that? Well, yes, Monday night. Um, again, it's been a bit bank holiday, so I think lots of people in the pubs all day <laughs> drinking. Um, and it's, it's, I think everyone knew it was a game we had to win. Mm. I think. Yeah, because I think goal difference means a draw puts it back in United's yeah. hands. And I remember a friend of mine, he saw Ray Harford, who was assistant manager in the... Um, in the bookies in Blackburn a few weeks before this four games left and Ray Harford said United will win all the four games mm. he predicted it was all of course almost correct and uh, Newcastle came I mean, it's the best atmosphere you've ever experienced at a full stadium I think certainly with all this game of course um, it's just electric I think um, the time of day the nerves and the tension yeah so she has scored a goal with kind of Probably the kind of goal that would be disallowed these days. Um, I climbed over the back of the fender and headed home with Graham Missile Cross. And then you know, almost blew the roof off uh, Eagle Park. And of course, Eagle's you know, well, not a, a team known for fantastic atmospheres, but that was special. And I did, I remember reading um, David Platt, who was playing in Italy at the time. I brought over um, Roberto Mancini to England. They were at the stadium watching that game. Mancini later said that's one of the best atmospheres he ever witnessed as well, experiences in football. I think because the tension was amazing, probably because Newcastle then, after we scored, then dominated the game. Mm. Um, had chance after chance, and Tim Flowers was fantastic. Um, no, I just made some world-class saves, and we were lucky to win. Um, but at the end, of when the final whistle went, I mean, just, again, the tension was just unbearable. Mm. Um, I think that was something special at the end when, when the whistle did go. I remember Newcastle fans being very generous after the game, saying, please go and win, you know, go and win, you know, do really well. Uh, but I think it was hard to know what to do because he couldn't celebrate too much. I, mean, I think the players felt that because there's one more game to go. And if you celebrate too much, then people will say, well, you haven't won anything yet. But again, there was some kind of desire to to mark what had been a great season in the mm. final home game by, you know, trying to do something. But it was a kind of strange atmosphere. Also, I think, again, people thought, well, maybe we'll do it now. I think everyone knew if you don't win that game, then it's all over. But then United had a game, I think, the, the following evening, I think, they had to win in Southampton. Yeah, and they got a, a dubious penalty with about three minutes to go, didn't they? Right, without yeah. Much, I, without I was in Blackburn. Without which you'd have won it, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So I remember being out in Black... Was it Tuesday the Wednesday, whatever it was? Tuesday the Wednesday, yeah. Um, it, I was out with my, my dad. I said, let's go out for a beer and watch the United game. I think many people didn't want to do it because they assumed that United would beat Southampton quite quite easily. And I remember being around a few pubs in Blackburn, the most uh, pubs were showing... I think Arsenal were playing the Cup and Cup final. Yes, again. that's right. Against Zaragoza. That's the name right. game. So... It wasn't easy to, easy to watch the Southampton game. I think Southampton took the lead in the first half. And then it was going, it was going. And the pub's still quite quiet. I remember saying to my dad, it can't be this easy to win the title. <laughs> just standing here watching it on TV. I mean, it just doesn't feel quite right. 
But I think in the last about 15 minutes to go, the people started to come out you know, to watch you know, the last you know, part of the game, just in case you know, United didn't score. And then, but then of course, United just go, yeah, they got a dodge penalty and then 1-2-1, I think it was, and uh, which meant it's going to the final, final day. And I remember going to the West Ham game before that, we'd lost 2-0, it was a horrible afternoon. Um, being, being with my brother in London, and for some reason he, he went a, a row of his jumper, got on the district line after the game with all the West Ham fans. Unfortunately, because they won, they were in quite a good mood, And um, but they were saying, oh, don't worry, we'll, we'll clean United, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do to United what we did to you, and we'll make sure we beat them. And um, which didn't quite happen, but I think going into the last game, I think we felt United would win at West Ham. We were now safe, I think, from relegation. Mm. Um, but, you know, going to Liverpool, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to remember now that I think I had a feeling that we'd win at Liverpool, mm. which, of course, wasn't the case. Yeah, there was a lot of a bit of talk in the media about, you know, Dalgleish and old friends and everything, which which was obviously never going never gonna to happen. So the day itself, I guess people know what happened. Um, Blackburn took an early lead through Shearer, then... West Ham took the lead at half time, and then I think around the same time both teams equalised. Man United and Liverpool, so that then means yeah. one United goal wins them the title. Um, what was the last half hour like for you? It was awful. Um, <laughs> I remember at half time because we were yeah, we winning one 0 to losing one 0 I remember thinking three goals have to go against us in mm. this second half was not to win the title. Um, yeah, I mean I, I couldn't get a ticket for the game. Um, Watching it in the pub in Blackburn, <clears throat> just again the tension was just a lot of beer being consumed, as you can imagine. But yeah, when after the equaliser went in, others didn't play very well, and I think um, it was set. There seems to be a kind of lack of energy. I'm not sure what it was. It's was all a bit surreal watching the game. There wasn't the same intensity as do before. Know, or... Do you know one thing that was struck me about that game was Shearer's celebration when he scored. It was really muted. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I never quite got why that was. Was that kind of humility or... Because I think ultimately, so. I mean, it's still in your hands. You know what I mean? Though? Ultimately, if you win the game, you win the league. So yeah. it's not like... I don't know. I just always thought that was really interesting. Maybe it was so early yeah, in the game that you didn't know what to do. Yeah, I think it was more a case of it's too soon to mm. start. Yeah. And again, I mean, I'm sure if we scored that, it would kind of, with 10 minutes left, it would have been a bit different. I remember the second half when we had some chances. Um, but... And she did something that I didn't often do. He kind of he put the ball over from close range. Yes, I remember that. And he rarely did that. I mean, you know, I can't remember. Of course, he missed a target connection, um, but he hardly ever put the ball over. And then again, you think, well, maybe it's not going to happen. And, they, and, and as, as as you mentioned, Liverpool equalised and United equalised. So then one goal can make a difference. And what started to happen was he just felt the final five, ten minutes that <clears throat> we always weren't, weren't scoring, weren't looking like scoring really. So all depending on what was happening at West Ham and what many, I'm sure many places were doing and say the pub I was in, there's two TVs, mm. one showing the Liverpool game, the Rovers game, one showing West Ham United and then slowly you started to gravitate towards the West United game because you knew that was the one that this mattered. Was be, yeah, yeah, yeah. If United didn't score, then it didn't matter. But yeah, because you knew, I think Rovers didn't have it in them to win that game. I think it was just the game had gone. And it, and United absolutely battered West Ham for the last twenty yes. minutes. Yes, McCloskey. Oh, I mean they really did. Um, McCloskey had the game of his life. 
Yeah, and do it, you know, the, the, the usual. I mean, just the, the scrambles. And, yeah. And the and just, well, we're not talking about, you know, shots from outside the area, but real kind of. No, you're right. There's one a bit like, about in the box. A bit like the Everton Blackburn one, actually, not quite as extreme. Yeah. You're right, with about two minutes to go, <clears throat> just everyone diving on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yes, West Ham, I'm sure West Ham enjoyed, you know, depriving United of the title, but they really yeah. gave everything. And, um, were, you yeah, com- and- were you completely aware of the permutations? The only reason I asked that is that Alan Green on Five Live famously, when Redknapp scored a free kick to put Liverpool ahead, he said, Jamie Redknapp has given the title to Manchester United or something like that. But in fact, of course, Redknapp's goal was irrelevant. Didn't mean anything in the end. Good. Yeah. So I guess you were completely yeah. aware. Yeah, I think at that time it didn't even matter, I think, with the Red. I think it was like, well, we're not even watching that game anymore because mm. it just kind of, you know, um, confirmed that yeah. we're, we're watching the correct game now and forget about what happened. No, it's all about Upton Park. And then, yeah, and it could, as I mentioned, it could have so easily <clears throat> been a ball or whatever. Scoring the goals in the last minute, it very, very nearly happened. I mean, um, apart from it was twenty twelve, twenty twelve Premier League title mm-hmm. race between City and United, and the last minute goal. I mean, that was you know you got a split screen. Mm. You can see what's happening in both games. It's just just awful. Being, <clears throat> with those ten minutes, really did drag. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine the last yeah. month. I can imagine the last month dragged. But would would you ultimately, as miserable as it would have been at times, I guess that makes it a million times more enjoyable than if you'd won it by early April. Yeah, I think in in, in many ways, yes. I think if we won it in early April, I wonder what would have, what would have happened going forward for the seasons after. Maybe oh, a better platform, perhaps. Mm. Um, that that would be the only way, you know. I mean. Uh, I'd, I would change it. Um, of course, we'll never know. But yeah, the, the way we did win it was, you know, sorry, the dogs just kind of... <laughs> That's okay. One second, the dogs were around the floor. No worries. I'm oh, sorry about that. It's okay. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think same with the playoff final at Wembley. I mean, if it, ha- if it does have go your way at the end, it's a great dramatic way to win. But um, again, it would be a terrible way to lose it. Mm. Yeah, as so- I mentioned, I mean, if- please. No, no, sorry, go on. Yeah, but as I mean, as I said, if we had won it easily and comfortably, then you know perhaps things would have been different for the season after and the season that just be a different mentality, a different way. And who knows? Who knows? I don't know. And we'll, it- we'll never know. And it kind of faded pretty quickly. Kenny Dalglish became director of football that summer, is that right? Yeah, it came out of nowhere. According to his, his book, he wanted to leave you know, the start of the, pre- the previous season, what, yeah. what was the title season, and he'd been played to carry on. Um, yeah, and I think at the time, it was a big shock, it was. Because um, <clears throat> it was moving upstairs, so I think we tried to kind of persuade ourselves that, okay, he's still around, um, Ray Hartford become the kind of first team coach and it'll be alright but I think everyone knew then it, things had changed no longer. things are different now um, Ray Hartford was a good coach and a very nice guy by all accounts but wasn't the wasn't the man to take the team forward and I think that that, that was just the I still not mean that was just a few weeks after the title so I think just a few weeks after we'd, we'd lifted the trophy it all seemed like the situation had changed and Dalglish going upstairs was 
um, you know, really, really big blow, and then never same again. And I think you finished what seventh, eighth the next season. Brilliant at home, yeah, but very away. Yeah, awful away. I think didn't win until I think April away from home. Uh, first half of the season was really bad. I mean, there were some you know, high points. It beat Forest seven 0 at home, five one away. Um, Shearer was occasionally. Shearer was still. Yeah, she was still fantastic. Season, wasn't he? Yeah, and he was kind of yeah, he's brilliant again. Go Champions League disaster was, um, you know, Mick kind of didn't help. Mm. Um, yeah, and it all, and then it had gone. I think by the we we didn't sign it. We, we well, we signed Matty Holmes that summer. You know, you know, decent player from West, but not the kind of you know player the champion should be signing if want to improve. Mm. Um, and obviously looking back. <clears throat> Well, we, we the club let it slip, fought so hard for three years to get there, but then once we became champions, let it go so easily. And then after we'd gone, you can't get it back. I mean, <clears throat> Liverpool and everyone else started spending big again and started moving forward. And um, so we always, that was it, really. Is there anything in the argument that they, they won it too soon so that it was all so dramatic and so quick that that was enough to satisfy a lot of people, even if it was only subconsciously? Yeah, I think I think there's something to that. I mean, perhaps like you're right, and maybe people wouldn't admit it, but I get that sense as well that, kind of, especially even with Jack Walker, well, we've done it now. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, of course, looking back, even at the time, some people must have felt, okay, this is this should just be the beginning of you know, what's next. Um, you know, I, again, at the time, being champions of England with, with money in your pocket, you should be able to sign, you know, very, very high class level player. But the the intention just didn't seem to be there. And um, part of it's been put down to, you know, Jack Walker being loyal to the players who who had done so well for him. You know, I think there was quite a close feeling for a time mm. bond between him and the players. Um, of course, looking back, you know, one or two, you know, top level players coming in could made a huge difference. Um, and then. But yes, I think we let it slip too easily. I think you're right. I think, I think there's something in that. We've done what we, what we want to do. You know, let's take a bit of a deep breath and see what's next. But by that time, you know, later, when the club started spending money again, you were too late to, it was all too late. It's so tricky, isn't it? Because even if they bought three big stars that summer, but then they still have the come down and they still finish seventh, then it'd be a kind of mutiny, wouldn't it, the way some of the title winners have been treated. So it's, it's such a difficult balance. Yes, I mean, I think, I think the Roberts fans, it wasn't any kind of much dissent from the fans. The fans are still in, it's only been like three and a half years really since mm. they've been a bit, the Roberts and the Dalvey should come and the rest of it. So it wasn't, and the fans are so delighted with what had happened. There wasn't much kind of dissent or backlash. It was just, wow, what a great time we had. But yeah, maybe we should have been thinking, <clears throat> well, who knows what could happen? I mean, I say, well, when a year or two later, well, we did start spending money on players who actually you know, five million pounds and players like you know, they spent like Nathan Blake and Wesley mm. Ward, Christian Daly. He was spending that a couple of years earlier on you know better players and who knows. But I think that the moment had gone. Mm. Um, I think it was for a short time. It was Nathan and the going, and then of course she were going as well. Then all of a sudden you come kind of you know just another you know mid-table Premier League team, and then. The, the, the summit looks very far away. Were any other managers linked when Doug Leach went, or was it always going to go to Ray Harford? Yeah, I think it always was at that time. Um, was that too yeah, sentimental, think, given that he was yeah, obviously probably, a brilliant, yeah. brilliant coach, but not yeah. necessarily a brilliant manager? I think, and 
I can fell out a lot of players who found a bit too soft or your favorite is mm. um including Shearer, I think and so it certainly felt a little hard for to listen too much to Shearer. <clears throat> but yes, I think I, I think at the time as, as fans we thought, okay, Harper's coming in, that's okay. He's been a great coach. Mm. Or everything will be okay. But as I said before, I think deep down we knew that you know, we'd lost our leash and Harper wasn't going to be the same. But I think at the time there weren't any really big names. Um I think that came later after Harford left the drastic just over reason. After that it was like Ericsson and yeah. Sven were agreed to sign a contract to come yeah. um, at the end of the season, but changed his mind. Um, and Jack Walker let him go. Uh, yeah, instead Roy Hodgson came. Was, uh, uh, yeah, but I think we it would have been interesting to see how big Rovers could have become. I don't think if they continued spending and investing, had the same ambition and energy that they'd shown the three or four years prior to that. Mm. Um, but we'll never know. But uh, certainly the opportunity was missed to at least stick around a bit longer at the top of the table. And I suppose whether it's fair or not, when you lose Dalgleish and Shearer a year later, you lose a lot of credibility. Yes, exactly. I think Dalgleish was huge. I mean, even, especially, they came, you know, as I said, he was a massive figure. And then leading Rose to the title, I mean, he was still, you know, again, his reputation was not just out of this world, and as was his presence and his, everything. Um, so he, I think for many people, him, being at the Rovers <clears throat> made Rovers, you know, an attractive team to, to join. Um and, and also players liked him. He's just a massive, massive figure. And then once he's gone, yeah, I mean she was always gonna go after that, I think yeah, she and then yeah, it's not the same. Actually just one question. How did you feel watching Euro ninety six as a Blackburn fan, watching Shearer score all his goals? Did you know that was bad news? Well, I think yeah, I mean, he was kind of nice in a way, but in the back of your mind, he'd, um, he'd had a great season. And he actually, there's a home game, I think about three or four games before the end of the season. And Rogers, we, we, we're not going to win the title, of course. And Rogers let him have an operation early yes, that's for, right. the, for the European Championships. Which, I mean, it was a bit, a bit nice, perhaps, because <clears throat> we missed out on the UEFA Cup by just a, a point, I think. Anyway, so he 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 played. I think it's against Wimbledon at home, and he went off as a sub. And as he walked off, and he kind of clapped the fans. I remember some people saying at the time, "Well, we'll see him again in the Rovers shirt." Uh, so I think even then, people started, people knew that the, the rumblings were going on. Um, you know, again with their hard for the charge and you know, disappointing season, and the top scorer. And when he started scoring the goals in the European Championship, it was some kind of um, it's some kind of vindication because you remember he hadn't scored a goal for England for about 18 months before yes. that and there's been a lot of talk oh, he's only a player who can score against in England he's not that great so it's, it's nice to see him actually score mm. but I mean, even before then most fans would have expected that he would go it was a very painful day when he left I mean I do remember quite well um, I, I, I think it might have been a Monday and on Mondays and you know Blackburn are pretty quiet, but I remember everyone going out to the pub to talk about it because in those days that's what you did. Um because you wanted to talk about and she were leaving but then that was the real end of the year. You have lost a player that everybody wants. Um, you know, it's fantastic as you know, top scorer of European championships and whatever else and of course it was a world record fee, but 
that didn't matter. It just yeah, the feeling of Shearer leaving was um, kind of worse than Dark Leash because in Dark Leash, you, 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 of course, you felt that the same again, but Shearer was a player you saw every week scoring the goals, and the knowledge that he wouldn't be there was a very, very painful one for, for quite a long time, I think. And, uh, and he got quite a bad reception when he came back um, to Rollins for three years because I think just because people were so sad that he left. Mm. It's interesting that, uh, and understandable that he is indelibly associated with Newcastle, but it feels like Blackburn got the best of him. He did his cruise shot after a year at Newcastle. I just feel like those four years at Blackburn, he was an absolute monster. Yeah, I think, yeah, in, in the league, he scored, what, 112 goals in 130 games. Mm. Um, and some of those were, you know, he was a sub a few times because of the injuries. Uh, mm. Yeah, definitely. I think, I'm sure Newcastle fans would agree with a hot sub, but in that four seasons, sure he would. was just. Oh, maybe not. But, I don't know. I, I, um, I wrote this once and got some interesting feedback. But anyway, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, might, I might have read that, actually, yes. Um, yeah, he was, in those four years, really biased. And he's a player that, I mean, certainly Rollins fans felt was the best tracker in Europe. Mm. Oh, he was awesome. Um, yeah, and um, we noticed him play like him. He would, and he's just, and his goals going, I mean, and he did the cruise shirt, and as, as we've talked about before, after the first four months of the first season, um, and before then, he was just you know, even better, I think. Um, so, yeah, I think at Newcastle, his goal score wasn't quite the same. It didn't seem to have the same kind of inspired, the same kind of fear, I think. Um, but certainly, when, when we sold him to Newcastle, I thought, well, that's it. Newcastle win the title now, no problem at all. And I'm sure many people did, because they've got the you know, best player, best striker. And, Got a goal machine, mm. um, so it was quite kind of surprise, and that didn't happen. That summer, we certainly felt that it did. Right? You know, Newcastle brought the title um, because they brought Sheeran. Yeah, but I, I think he was much better. Well, he, we did get the best out of him. You know, those four seasons, he was you know, really something special. How did um, Blackburn fans feel when Dalglish turned up at Newcastle? Ah, uh, good question. I think. Well, I mean, I think. It was always going to happen. Something like that was always going to happen. He was going to go to you know, a team doing really well, you know, biggest age as well. Um, I don't think it was the same. I mean, when she went, a lot of people were upset, as I said, because um, he was by far the best player. <clears throat> and to see him go was just you know, a devastating um, ball to the team. But I think with Douglas, it's a little bit less. But again, I mean, I, I seem to remember when he went to Newcastle, then his first job after the obvious, then you, again, you kind of thought, well, he's going to take, he's the missing link, Newcastle, and Keegan couldn't quite do it. And I've got Dow Leach. Sure, it's only a matter of time now before Newcastle go and win the title. But again, it didn't happen. Mm. And if, um, he didn't do that. I mean, he had, he, had, he had a couple of decent seasons, didn't he? But the football wasn't great, and it ended quite badly, didn't it? Yeah, it did. They got to the cup final, but he only That's lasted right. 18 months. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Some places just just work out. Um, yeah, it's insane. As you get older, how do you reflect on that era, particularly the title win? Does it does it feel almost surreal now? Yeah, it does. I mean, you do wonder now what kind of younger Rovers fans must feel. <laughs> yeah, especially team. Um, yeah, it's hard to mention. I mean, at the time, <clears throat> Rovers were. You, you pick up in, I remember in the eighties. I mean, if Rovers were match the day, it was happened occasionally. No, that's a big thing. You get the occasional second division match will be a match of taking a We're on TV tonight and people stop in and stop home and watch it. <clears throat> be on TV all the time. It talks about it all the time and newspapers all the time. 
Um, and now, I mean, if the internet had been around, then I can't imagine that. I think it probably would have been hard to do any work at all. It would always be on it would a huge thing on the internet. Um, it's, it's hard to imagine, and you wonder if it would happen again now. Actually, I think the one, I mean, one of the negative things about Leicester winning the title in 2016 was you can no longer say <laughs> a club like Rovers come. Rovers the last team of that that size club that could ever win the Premier League. Hmm. But Leicester, of course, went and did it. Um, but yes, it's hard. I mean, then 25 years, a long time ago, but, you know, for the... And, that, and after, we had some good times afterwards. I mean, mm. if you think about it, we... Yeah, the Sooners team, in particular. Yeah, the Sooners, I mean, it, it was great for three years. It was fantastic management for three years. It was um, when the league came, he had this sick place. <clears throat> and the Hughes, we had, we had some good times mm. in the Hughes. And a good, you know, quite attractive team. You know, Santa Cruz, McCarthy, Bentley playing... Um, I mean, that's, but, I mean, of course, it was, it was never going to be as good as in the early 90s. Um, once the bankers came in and Allardyce came in, you know, it was never, it's always going to be at a certain level. And, of course, it got worse after that as well. But um, it's just, I guess it's one of those things you have to look back on and say it was just nice that we actually had it to experience, but it's not going to happen again. Hmm. Um, and last question, what's your most vivid memory of that season? The title winning season? Yeah. I think... <clears throat> Probably, um, the, the day we went top um, was on the 26th of November, we had that 4-0 win over QPR. Mm. Shearer, I think, never scored a hat-trick before, I think. So not at home for the Rovers. His final was kind of a real thunderbolt. Mm. It was a 30-yard shot, and it just... he. <clears throat> I was sat behind the goal, and my dad, I think, one of my brothers, and she picks up the ball about 30 yards out. He knew what he was going to do, and he just shot. And it's an arrow in top corner. As soon as it's shot, you knew it was going to happen. Mm. And it's just beautiful the way it struck the nest. I think that goal, um, the day it went top of the table, was just you know, that beautiful thing. And I still remember it very well. Mm. That was great. Thank you very much. Do you want to just talk about where the uh, book is available? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess you can, you can buy it um, in any good bookshop in and around Blackburn. Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure you'll, 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 you'll find it um, everywhere. Um, of course, online, um, the publishers are. Decoverty books or you know the usual Amazon that kind of thing you should be able to get hold of it. I think the Rovers actually sell it in the, in the stadium if you get a chance to go there. Um, but yeah, put, put on, please buy. It. And it's not just about the Rovers winning the league; it's a little bit about more wider football in general at the time as well. And uh, you know that season and what happened on and off the pitch in the Premier League. And it's called Rovers Revolution. Is that right? Yes. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Rob. I enjoyed. Sports Social Podcast Network.